0: You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Tech fan podcast number 451. I'm Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen over in England. Hello, David. <laughs> hello, hello, hello.
1: hmm
0: <laughs> I like that. I like that you lean into the mic. Of course, the uh, listeners right. can't see nice. that. Nice I, close. I, I can do that, too. But yeah. uh, let's not do that the whole episode. I don't want to get anybody excited or anything. Um yeah like they would be excited it looks like I'm looking at our show notes and it looks like we're doing a wiki trolling of course we didn't do that last week because you were like we already did that the week before and I couldn't remember so I thought I don't want to repeat myself so we skipped it Um, we've got a couple upcoming Um, one's going to be Epson I don't think we've talked about Epson really Uh, you know everybody knows Epson but I was kind of surprised how far back their history goes uh, but this week, we're going to talk about Blockbuster, and for those who are under 20 <laughs> listening to the podcast, which is probably like two people, um, yeah. they may not even know what Blockbuster is, but I think everybody does. So we're going to talk about Blockbuster in the second half of the show, um, but I put a uh, something in the show notes, and David did too, and it's about older technology, and I thought yep. that was kind of interesting that we both picked something about older tech. Uh, mine is a little bit more relevant as far as modern times and that is uh, i found this on slash dot nasa's uh, perseverance rover which is currently exploring mars uh, has as its cpu a bie systems rad 750 okay we don't know what that means it's not a consumer no. for facing thing running at 200 megahertz and t- it features 256 megabytes of ram with two gigabytes of storage uh, this is a radiation hardened version of the PowerPC g3 with specs roughly the equivalent of a clamshell ibook that reese witherspoon used in legally blonde back in 2001 uh, this follows the tradition of the old tech on space rovers the sojourner rover which explored mars in 97 used an intel 80 c85 running at two megahertz similar to what could have been found in a classic radio shack trs 80 from 83 so yeah this is kind of interesting in that they're using by modern standards an antique i mean it's a yeah. 20 year old technology that they're using in the latest and greatest rover which by the way if you're following online and you really should, if you're listening to this show, you should be following, um, the Rover and some of the images that it's sending back is just breathtakingly beautiful in detail that we've never seen. Um, I'm sure some people are thinking, well, this is NASA. Why are they using such old tech? Well, there's two reasons. Reason number one, um, You got to remember that this Rover was, has been in development for a decade, but if that's the case, going back 10 years, when they started creating this thing, they, at that time, they used a 10 year old CPU. Uh, so that's number one, uh, but probably more important than that. Um, quite honestly, it's dependable. Hmm. It has to be built to spec. You can't use the latest and greatest M1 chip from Apple, um, even if they launched a new rover in two years. That you would think that would be enough time for them to get a radiation hardened enclosure to protect that CPU and send it up into space with, you know, a one terabyte SSD drive and all this other latest and greatest tech. But it's not spec for it. It has to be pretty much bulletproof you got to remember, these things are flying millions of miles through space, uh, completely exposed to raw radiation. They're falling through an atmosphere at 18,000 miles per second, and they're slamming into the ground. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. What they don't need to go wrong is the processor in the rover itself, because if that isn't working correctly, you can't just send out tech support and fix it. So... Yes, they are using very old tech, but there's a reason for it. It's super dependable. They've been processing, they've been programming on it for years and years. They know all of the ins and outs of this processor, um, and they can do a lot of things with this processor that they probably couldn't with the newer ones.
1: I don't think that's what radiation hardened processor is. Not just a processor that's put in a lead box. It is The radiation hardening is built right into the processor, so they re-architect the processor so that even if a high-energy cosmic ray or some other kind of radiation goes right through the processor, it continues to work. That means redundancy on the chip itself. Um, It means um, making sure that the traces between the various different parts of the chip don't um, start generating electricity when radiation goes through them. It's a whole load more stuff than just shielding it from radiation because they could shield the computer but the problem is the shield shielding might fail it might the box might split open when it hits the ground and then um, they got to add any- a lot
0: of cooling to keep that processor cool exactly. in, in yeah a radiation in a closed environment exactly so, and that so that's draws what more it is power which yeah. is a problem because every milliwatt of power counts on something like yeah, the rover
1: because you're taking you're either powering it by solar or you're taking the power source with you yes. uh, and you want it to last as long as possible. So when when they and and the thing is they've got to do all that radiation hardening while still making sure the chip is completely and utterly reliable and all of that takes time, engineering and money, which means that you don't change these things on on a whim. I'm right. sure that RAE, BAE Systems probably has um, more um, advanced processors now than than what they use there because yeah, ten years have gone as you say since they set they're the specs. The, for they're this using thing. the G four now, so yeah. <laughs> but the thing is, is that the other thing is that um, why do you want high performance processing on the rover? They, 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 well, they I think enough- there's a
0: mentality for a lot of people that yeah. bigger is better, faster is better, exactly. and that's yeah. not always the case.
1: No. No, it's it's a cost and and most important thing it's a power budget thing. right I don't even so, think it's the cost. I mean that
0: that's yeah. probably the least expensive part of that rover. You know the mechanical arm probably costs a billion dollars more than than the processor.
1: No, when I'm talking about cost, I'm talking about engineering cost. Yeah, I know. Yeah, development mean. cost. Yeah, because you've got to write software for the thing, so you need it to be to be chosen yeah. and and dependable so that you can't just say oh we're going to swap it out for the lace and grace just before it launches because the code might not run properly and ultimately the code's got to be as reliable as the hardware so um you've got to do that and um the other thing is is yeah there's no there is no performance requirement for this the thing sits on the on mars and the pro the decisions it makes based on the signals it receives and what it gets from its sensors yeah there is no rush for those signals yeah it's a what is it, it's like between 20 and 45 minute time delay between here and Mars anyway. Yes. So nothing is happening in real time. And in fact, the last thing you really want that rover to do is to make decisions in real time without checking back with the Earth, which is at best a 45 minute round trip. So you don't need, you know, you're not basically playing pole position with the thing on Mars, yeah? David says pole position sitting. because if my <laughs> mic is
0: good enough that he can hear, you guys may be hearing it here on the show i've actually yeah. got pole position on and the arcade machine running right yeah.
1: now but uh, but it because obviously it's steering all over the road and then blowing up i'm kind of thinking that's what you might do if you had a if you had a fast uh, faster uh, more intelligent right. chip in in there yeah it's the, it, this is not a performance critical requirement so using all the reliability.
0: yeah and that's yeah. really what it comes down to they need something that's going to be stable uh that they're not going to have to guess on anything everything is very yeah. predictable um, and and quite honestly, whatever processors on that machine is probably the least sexy part of this entire thing. I mean,
1: yeah, like kind yeah. of dangling it from a from a rocket crane to drop it on the surface <laughs> se- and was right. kind of cool. Yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. It just, yeah, it just goes to show for all the people who are out there going, oh god, that those chips are ancient antiques. Um, and we hear that a lot when when you're in the tech press. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, how can you possibly? How can you possibly live working on the uh, iPhone X or the iPhone 11 when the iPhone 12 is so much faster? It's just like, yeah, but you don't need that power to do. Well, the things I, I we also all do. don't
0: think that most people realize how much old tech is everywhere. You know, uh, when you go to a gas station that has a digital display and has wide, you know has a near field communications, a lot of the tech in that gas pump is ancient compared to what you have. Um, yeah it, it, it's everywhere you go to a hospital do you think they're running the latest and greatest chips in the heart monitor no no it's old stuff and there's a reason that they use it those things are built to spec they have to be a hundred percent reliable you can't have a heart monitor machine crashing on you <laughs> it, well,
1: we talked about yeah we talked about this last week with the tesla where yeah. the uh, the whole car was was crashing and needing rebooting while you were driving it. Turns out that the reason for that is because they put an SSD in it, uh, and the SSD is spect and is wearing out, and that's what's that's what's crashing crashing the system, and that's what the recall is for. And um, you can't, yeah, in a in a critical environment, you can't. You need to be able to rely on this stuff, and you need Absolutely. to be able to, yeah, no, know that it's going to work. And um, because that, that's what the reliables mean. So I don't know why I just said this twice.
0: Yeah, but <laughs> it's the Department of Redundancy Department. Um, it's. Yeah. It, but I like that I had picked this, and then you had something from the BBC News titled "Vintage Technology." It sounds so much cleaner, um, and it focuses yeah. on a couple stories here. The one that is kind of objectable, uh, objectionable. Objectionable would be the guy that uses an old uh, sony walkman it's a digital it's not actually
1: a walkman it's a mini disc mini disc but it's actually yeah. called the walkman it, yeah
0: i know but but it's a mini yeah. disc that he burnt his songs this is what kills me he he copied his music over from a pc nearly 20 years ago and he says it sounds so much cleaner and sharper than anything and it gets and, and it goes for ages
1: on one AA battery yeah, he, he's yeah. never heard an iPod, iPod shuffle, which would do the same thing. Yeah, and it yeah, sounds the same just money. as good with yeah. Looseless but technology. But come the on, thing man. is, what I think what he's what he's pushing at here, he's not articulated well. But I suspect there's something else that he likes about this. This is why I like these old PCs there's and the a old word processors. To
0: something it's it, it's hard to articulate for some people, and I think what it really boils down to, and it's in it's, it's, it's It's this nostalgia you have for that technology that, you know what, this thing just works. I like it. That's why my wife continues to use the GPS in her Lexus from 2006. It's awful. It's just awful. But it's good enough for her. She's comfortable with it.
1: There's also, um, and this particularly comes across with Sony gear, there's a mechanical feel to to some old equipment that is very satisfying oh no question you don't get with modern. and we're always complaining all the time that modern smartphones they're just um slabs of glass there's no innovation on them the difference is this with this old tech everything you got was a different form factor some of it worked some of it didn't but it was often very satisfying to use because of the mechanicalness of it i have these i'm going to I'm gonna lift one up to show you here. So this is one of my latest things. This is a Canon word processor. Oh yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and this is basically it's like a it's like a laptop that's dedicated to word processing, and then it has Star a printer built the back. Starwriter. Yep. Now I love this thing not because Why? it's a great word processor, but because it has this fantastic keyboard and a really clear gray uh, LCD screen that is. It's more satisfying to use than a modern computer for word processing. It just is. So what
0: you know? Okay, so if if I get it, I really do. Yeah. But if you're explaining to somebody, why is it better to use? Is it the experience? Is it the oldness of it? Is it the reliability? Is it the physical tactile feel of the keyboard?
1: For for me, is two things. It's tactile. Yeah, it is the tactility. Particularly with me, I do a lot of writing for work, a lot of typing. I like to use a really nice keyboard. All of these old word processor systems have a fantastic keyboard. You can still use it today, um, and it's kind of fun to do that. These ones use floppy disks. Modern floppy di- uh, put a USB floppy drive into a modern computer; it can still read it. By the way, only on Windows. Uh, Big Sir dropped that capability, so there yeah. you go. That's somewhere where Microsoft's in, in the lead. So we I can exchange files nice and easily. And then the third thing is, um, for me, it's nice to have something that just does one thing rather than trying to do everything. Yeah. So when I'm when I'm writing a document on one of these, yeah, I'm not going to be pinged by email or Teams messages, or phone calls, or anything like that popping up on my screen. It's just me and the document. And I like that because I I personally, not for everybody, but I personally find I'm more productive that way. Um, I like the old LCD kind of electroluminescent backlit screens because they're much easier on the eyes than staring, staring at a 400 nit, modern monitor which frankly you know can uh, depending on the time of day and how tired you are can be kind of hard on the eyes yeah so it's it all of those things yeah it's all of those things mixed together and then i've also talked about before And i think this guy with the mini disc is probably the same thing sometimes it's very cool to use old stuff in a modern environment because this was stuff you couldn't afford to use back then you there know?
0: is a sense of that and you know as david can see over my left shoulder i've got two arcade machines you know yeah. you know what I would have done you know when I was fifteen or fourteen or thirteen, hell, even when I was twenty to have yeah. two arcade machines in my house, and yeah. you know one plays sixty games this one this one over here plays fifteen hundred games, and they're a hundred percent true to the classic arcade machines that you remember, yeah, and I don't have to put a quarter in them every time I want to play a game, and I could do it any time. It's and it's old school. It's they're actual arcade cabinets from the time. They're not repos. There's nothing like that. Got to move so she can get past. I know the screen. I'm waving.
1: She's waiting. Tim's waving at you. You're not on Facebook though, are you? No, I am not. (laughs) (laughs) Can you just turn the camera off just for a second, (laughs) Mark? Oh, you're gonna ruin my view. There you go. So, um, yeah, it's the same, same thing that people like classic cars. I mean, you can go out and buy a, a modern Toyota from Mr. Tim Robertson in Battle Creek, Michigan. Oh, in well, Kalamazoo. Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yeah. And that's a car that will run with very little maintenance for hundreds of thousands of miles. But that doesn't mean somebody doesn't want to buy uh, like a 50s or 60s um, sports car or muscle yep. car or something like that. It's exactly that, the same that's something that Yeah. You need you need to change the oil all the time. You've got to buy parts for it. You you know the brakes will be bad compared to a modern car. The gearbox will be bad. Steering you will
0: know? be awful. Yeah, know. yeah. It it's, it's, hey, hey, guys. On, on every level it's less of a machine. However, yeah, on every other level it's a better machine.
1: Yeah, and That's, everybody loves it. Who, and who, and every, who, who yeah, yeah. who has one? Everybody. And it's loves
0: not to it. say every old car is worth having. It, no. they're not you know i don't want an old you know mercury Marquis from 85 it's it's a piece of crap if any even survive which is probably <sighs> pretty doubtful
1: i've got, I've got my uh, eye on a ford ford pinto yeah, I, here is a brilliant car no it's not
0: <laughs> um you know I, I get it i i like old tech too i really do uh, i don't yeah. know if you can see right here david I've got the yep. original iPhone and the original iPod up on a shelf under LED yep. to kind of highlight them. Um, yep. I think they're they're great. In fact, if I go this way, and I talked about this on the show, uh, this right here was yep. a handheld video game that I got, and it's just it's it's a LCD uh, yeah, it's, L- or LED it, Space Invader clone.
1: Space Invader. You know what? I had that exact game. Surprise, Did you really? Surprise. Yeah,
0: Yeah. It sounds awful, (laughs) by the way. Oh, I know. And there's no volume control. I turned it on this morning to play it. Everybody else is still sleeping right now. I had to turn it off right away because it was like... I was like, Jesus Christ.
1: So so anybody who ever remembers those old handheld games, there was one which had the big round plastic console. Yep. Um where the screen was. And the screen was actually like a really small rectangular strip in the middle. Yes. But it had kind of had targets and it kind of looks a bit like a radar and it's that's the one. And I remember it's being called given Invaders not that,
0: from space. Yeah.
1: From I remember uh, what is that? Epoch electronics. Guys, you've really got to stop game. on the landing place.
0: So if, yeah. you, if you look up that on eBay, you, too, can buy one for probably about 10 bucks. I think that's what I spent.
1: Oh, no, I think, unfortunately, now you'll find the prices are going up. Well, I, people just I heard I bought ge- it, so. Yeah. I remember getting one. No, I mean, I bought this
0: at... just a couple, like, two months ago, oh, right, man, okay. right before Christmas. Okay.
1: Right. Cool. I remember being given one as a, as a present um, at one time. We were. I was given it as a gift. it must have have been a Christmas or birthday or something I opened it and then we were all the person who who gave it out gave it to me Um, we were we were all going out for dinner with my parents and and them Uh, and I remember saying to one of my brothers saying oh great we can play this in the car on the way to the restaurant and the guy gave it to me went no you can't you've got to leave it here and that's because he knew about the noise Um, and he's I never thought about that before but you're absolutely right up until probably the Game Boy, all those early handheld electronic games did not have volume controls on them at all. You just had to put up... Well, I mean, nobody used them with headphones. A lot of them didn't have headphone jack either. So you uh, you had to use them just to, with the noise they made. And I would imagine, as a parent, that was probably particularly irritating. Particularly those, um, yeah, not, not very sonically pleasing beeps and boops. Much like the... Um, The pole position noise that you can probably still hear in Tim's background. If you listen very carefully, um, I'm watching his screen now, and when the car blows up, you hear the uh, typical pole position noise, which is going to bring back memories for many of us, I think. There was nothing I loved more than being in an arcade and hearing that kind of um, cacophony of arcade noises sounds when you had like... 30 or 40 machines all make all turned up loud all making the same noise different noises at the same time and it was just like this constant um background noise of electronic beeps and boops it was real it's probably more evocative of an arcade than even just seeing rows of arcade games
0: i would agree with you um we're very much creatures of not just sight but sound maybe even more so from sound which is why people like david and i keep going back to listen to 80s music because you know, it's it's nostalgia for us. Uh, it's it's funny,
1: actually. Yeah, I, I, I looked in on Alexander the other day, and he will listen to video game music while he's working.
0: Yep.
1: You know. Cole and, does and the mean, same music, thing. Yeah, music that's riffed off video game music as well. So these guys, these, you know, very talented music guys, they will listen to a video game, and then they'll kind of mix it together and then do their own stuff, and it becomes like video game music, but it's original. It's very good.
0: You know, these old handheld video games, there was one that I never got, and... I I have a saved uh, eBay search, <laughs> and it was from Tommy Tronics and it was a Pac-Man machine, handheld, and it was kind of this. Um, it was it was round, but it was like a dome, and the screen itself is quite small.
1: Oh, and it's that was a yellow
0: one. Yeah, that was the yellow one. Yeah, yeah, I remember it. And I just <laughs> haven't that, found yeah. one in good enough shape for the price I'm willing to pay. I'm going to get one eventually. Yeah. It's just called Tommy
1: Ch- Pac-Man. It looks like it was licensed. Yes, uh, and it does. The reason it's it's cool is because it kind of looks like Pac-Man. It has the the screen where the eyes look. would be. Yeah, yep. and then there's a four way button button pad underneath that um, that is what you use to control Pac-Man. It's one and again. It's one of those LCD ones. It's not. Um, oh, it's, it's a, not, and it's not,
0: bad gameplay. It just is. Yeah. yeah. But. I remember seeing them in the store at the height of Pac-Man fever. Um, not to evoke that awful song, but <laughs> I remember seeing them in the stores and it just... I was really, really into Pac-Man. Uh, we had these trading cards that were stickers as well that I, I had every one of them, uh, and I would stick those to everything. I see those on eBay too, and I, I'm i really nostalgic for those. I want to get them, but I don't want to spend that kind of money. Um, yeah, But there was just something about that handheld and they had a demo unit at a local Kmart. Um, mm-hmm. you know, Kmart was kind of the bottom rung. You know, if you, if you had crappy shoes, people say you got Kmart shoes. That was an insult. Yeah. Um, but that was the closest big store that I could actually go to riding my bike. And it was right behind where my dad worked. Literally. I could walk from my dad's work over to Kmart. And I would, I remember going down there, especially in the summertime, I remember the winter too, really bad weather. I would go down to where dad worked and that was, you know, a good, maybe a mile and a half, two mile hike. Um, going there was no problem because it was downhill coming back was kind of a pain in the butt, but yeah. I remember going down there on Fridays because that's when I got my allowance and my allowance for a long time was three bucks. And I remember when it got up to five bucks, man, but I would get that three bucks and it would burn a hole <laughs> into my pocket. And I yeah. would go over to Kmart because they had a huge toy selection as well as records. I, I 45s were 99 cents and I remember buying, you know, three records for 99 cents. Um, when my allowance got up to like seven bucks is when I was really starting to get in a comic book. So that my, my money went there, but I remember going into that Kmart and they had a, <laughs> I, I distinctly remember this. They had one of those bank teller chains that hold the pens. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They had one of those. It was screwed and bolted into the Kmart shelf, and they had screwed, it looked like a wooden screw into the side of this Pac-Man handheld, so you couldn't walk off with it. And they must have changed the batteries often, because you couldn't plug the thing in. But that was on a shelf at Kmart for at least a year and a half. And I remember going down there and playing it. But I like the feel of it. I like the look of it, and I always wanted one. I don't know how much they were then, but I remember I would have to save up allowance for probably two to three weeks. I didn't have that ability. I yeah, that was beyond me.
1: Then, considering what they are, they're not that cheap nowadays. I'm look. I mean, in the UK, it looks like they were called Munchman, um, because presumably they didn't have the license here in the UK. Um, but they're going for well forty pounds, you yeah, know, so fifty sixty dollars ish um the cheaper ones are the ones that don't work um, yeah that's not bad so, yeah it's not bad but i mean well and, and that's they, the thing and, but I'm i won't, some of them and, are going for 78
0: yeah well the ones that i like that i find on there uh usually come with a box and i don't want to spend extra i don't i don't give a crap about boxes yeah, i say that and i've got a whole a bunch of boxes up on my shelf there yeah. just um I, I'm going to put the machine on display, but how do you display a thing that is is
1: is a dome? You know. I think, well, certainly the UK ones. Most of these would take an AC adapter, so you could actually wire it up so it was running all the time. Could you? Yeah. Tommy, um, d-
0: Pac Man, and vintage and antique toys. You know? Oh my god! I just found something that I forgot about. I don't. Is it Tronics? Tomy. Japanese
1: company, I think they were called Tomi, T O M I, T O L. My yeah, Tomi Tronics.
0: So I just found this one. It's a uh, Tomi Toys waterful, mouthful, Pac-Man right. You know the you'd put water in this thing and you'd push the button and the rings would yeah. go up. They have yeah. one of those of Pac-Man. I forgot all about that thing. Um, so I'm looking at this. Yeah, there's one right now for seven dollars and sixty-nine cents and it's being bid from the UK with 36 dollars of shipping. That's where I keep prob- coming up with the problems. They they mm-hmm. want stupid price for shipping and I'm like well, I'm not. Yeah, well not, the no.
1: problem is yeah, no international insured shipping is not cheap. I can tell you from experience. Yeah, but no, it's not even pro-
0: just that. It's it's here too. When it's yeah. I could see this in Illinois and the guy's like buy it now for 17.99. In forty nine ninety nine shipping? Oh, kiss my ass! It doesn't
1: cost fifty bucks to ship it.
0: They're they're just they're they're selling it at a cheap price and they're making up for it in shipping.
1: Yeah, which they're not really allowed to do on eBay, but people do. So eventually, I will get one, but it's
0: gonna it's gonna be a little bit of time, David.
1: Um, Time. Everything takes time and money. Yeah, time and money. Time makes the world go round. That's kind of what it is too. Yeah. Um, I've been
0: it's been a little bit slow at work lately and you know i'm not going to spend the money on something like that right now looking forward to uh next week when we get back to a geeks pub because we're we swapped weeks with geeks pub because we want to talk about wandavision and we've got one episode to go so we're kind of holding off on that yeah
1: because it is uh, most certainly building to that climax it really is. I was expecting... Oh, the answers are starting to come now.
0: I, I, Everybody that is friends with me that knows I watch the show and they watch it um, sent me messages after the last episode. So I'm yeah. looking forward to talking about it. Um, there's some really, really cool stuff coming uh, in the geek space, and we've got a lot to talk about. But we're doing Tech Fan this week, so we're going to look back at... Um, for our wiki trolling a company that really defined uh, an entire genre of type of businesses for quite a while before they kind of completely disappeared they were relevant for almost 20 years and they pretty much don't exist now so our wiki trolling is blockbuster like we said at the top of the show um
1: blockbuster video did
0: you have blockbuster video there where you live
1: so when video rentals started here in the uk initially it was um independent stores that were doing it and it was like that for a long time yeah Yeah, but um i think back then unlike today where um, brands are more global than they used to be and they expand more aggressively more quickly um then uh, back then, it took a while. They, they basically, Blockbuster got very, very well established in the states before they started opening up here. Uh, and typically, what they did is they came along, they brought, they bought smaller shops and then turned them into Blockbusters. So it it probably didn't quite have the same cultural impact as it here as it did in the UK in the US because you know it had been established in the US for a long time before we started seeing them. So, um, but but yeah, most people would recognise. What Blockbuster was, um, and and a trip to the video store to choose a movie was kind of it was uh, it was there was there was a bit of a ritual to it, wasn't there? You know,
0: there absolutely was. So Blockbuster started. um, It was founded by uh, David Cook. His company, Cook Data Services. Um, That company started in 1978, but of course they didn't have videos back then. Um but he, he the primary goal of that original company was to sell software services to oil and gas industry throughout Texas, and like any good entrepreneur i suppose um eventually you have to diversify yourself when he you realized the potential of video rentals cooks abandoned the oil industry and began franchising blockbuster video. He started the first blockbuster in nineteen eighty five I just lost power. did you see that yep. Yeah, the cat's playing behind the uh, the arcade machines, and he steps on the power strip, and that kills the power. It also killed the power in another room because they got an extension cord running to run the printer, so I can hear the printer shutting down. Stupid cat. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so the first blockbuster actually opened, and no surprise, since he was Texas-based in Dallas, Texas, on October nineteenth, nineteen ninety-five with an inventory of 8000 VHS and 2000 beta tapes. So you got to remember in 85 VHS had pretty much won at that point, but beta was still out there and enough that Blockbuster was carrying them. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was um I mean it's interesting that I always thought that those sorts of stores were a bellwether for you know what formats were um were big in the industry it was it was funny when uh you know video started to go away and dvd started to come in to see how that got adopted um and uh and yeah definitely we all remember the anybody who was into video in in those days remembered the format wars though to be honest with you i mean once betamax started to die it went pretty quick it went really <laughs> I mean, it, really quick it really, it really spiraled down very quickly. It was well, only a few years after that that if you went to Blockbuster you would find Betamax tapes, uh, you know, for a dollar or something in a in a basket by yeah, the uh, by the counter. Them.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And the funny yeah. thing is the the Sony Betamax format was actually superior in video and oh, audio yeah. quality than VHS. Yeah. It wasn't even close. But do you know why VHS won?
1: Well, I've always presumed it's because this the Beta Sony being Sony, that the Betamax hardware was more expensive than the VHS stuff, and it wasn't licensable; only Sony could make it. Nope, that is not the reason.
0: Okay, the a reason that most people don't ever talk about because it's kind of uncomfortable was that the porn industry used (laughs) the VHS. All right, fair enough. Because you remember before when it was smaller mom and pop video rental places, there was always that curtain or that door or that half door.
1: uh, when in Britain, it was always yeah. In Britain, it was always was it the top shelves, the mm-hmm. top shelves because because we had um, the pornographic magazines on the newsstands uh, in the seventies and the eighties as well, and they were always on the top shelf. And the reason for that being that kids yeah, couldn't same, reach them. Same here. Yep. <laughs> yeah. so, but, so video video kind of went the same way. And if you got a video, yep. even if it was even it was if it was not necessarily explicitly um, pornographic. Uh, because you can always some of the covers, but there was awful, awful lot of kind of low rent horror movies that were kind of uh, soft core as well. Um, yep. And so sometimes you'd you try and you know people would try and fool their parents into saying, "Oh, I'll rent this," thinking it would you know making their parents think it was yeah. just a horror movie when in fact it was um, you know with, they, they were those you sorts of like films. You sound like you're
0: but, talking from experience, there, David.
1: <laughs> no, no, just yeah. I had a friend. I had a friend. I had a who, friend. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. You know. I'll the, for the a problem
0: with the uh with the whole the, the porn vhs tapes was almost the the walk of shame up to the counter with that tape <laughs> especially if it was yeah. a pretty girl that was at the counter if it was a pretty girl yeah. i am not renting a porn video it's not happening yeah. no matter what it's just yeah nope nope i guess i'm i'm renting beverly hills cop 2 again <laughs> Because <laughs> um, <laughs> you can't just walk in there, see who's working, and walk out. Because then they totally know. Um, so how did how did us, that work
1: in Blockbuster? Did they have a separate section, have, or did they just they not didn't do it?
0: No, they didn't do it. No, um, I I, I want to say maybe the at the very beginning they may have, but by the time we got a Blockbuster here, and I remember it was a big deal when Blockbuster came. Um, they there was no adult films if you will and that actually yeah. helped the smaller you know rental places because their focus became less of the latest and greatest blockbusters because you know a small business might have five copies of beverly hills cop 2 whereas blockbuster is going to have a hundred copies of it so if you actually want to see a it thing?
1: yeah i remember when a video was launched you know because obviously back then there was a big delay between them coming out on video as versus being in the, in the cinema so when a big movie came out you go into blockbuster and there would be yeah there would be like a, a whole section of the store that just had loads and loads of boxes of that one movie and then what would well, happen you'd usually is
0: every week you would get like one maybe two big movies come out in one week yeah. And the whole shelf would be those that one or two movies.
1: That's right, and then and then over the weeks, the numbers of copies would would reduce, and then eventually you get to the point where there's there's probably it only it moves one off or, the main shelf and yeah.
0: it goes to the alphabetical order shelves. Yeah,
1: and sometimes you could pick a copy up and um, and take it to the counter, and they would give you the cassette, and then they would go and put the copy back because they actually had a whole load more in the back. Um, yep. you know, because obviously they kept them in one of the things that, that here in Wikipedia it says is that because of his background in oil and gas, um and computing for oil and gas, that David Cook was an expert on big databases and that gave him well, that's a real what he did competitive advantage. It.
0: Yeah, yep. Yeah. That's kind of what he did um to to kind of see what people are viewing and he built like a six million dollar warehouse to supply all the stores and at one point for a while blockbuster was by far the biggest buyer of vhs you know they had their own they had their own boxes you know you'd get that hard plastic shell um yeah. and the paper insert was a blockbuster uh those things actually go for a little bit of money on ebay you can buy them um yeah it, it was a family thing You know, you'd go with your parents. Now, I was a little bit too old by the time Blockbuster came here, so I never did this. Uh, I would go by myself. Um, But I remember taking my older girls towards the end of the 90s, early 2000s to Blockbuster. And, you know, it would be like, okay, Brittany, you can pick out one movie. Rachel, you can pick out one movie. And then Julie and I would pick a movie that we wanted to watch. And at that point though it wasn't vcr it was dvds you know and they would go pick out the movie sometimes they would want the same movie so they would you know decide we want this movie but now we both have to decide the second movie sometimes they would pick their own movies and invariably if they did that one of them didn't want to watch the other one uh but then julie and i would spend time going to the new releases and picking out which one we wanted to watch and it was, you know, a, a half-hour time at Blockbuster. You know, yeah. maybe you'd stop and, and get a pizza or something on the way home, and it the, would be the yeah. family evening.
1: But that, but that's the point. It was a family evening in that you were committing that time because you knew, because of the rental thing, you knew you had to return the video, so you you watched it as soon as you got it home. Um, yeah. Whereas nowadays with streaming, you don't do that. I mean, you had to say, right, should we sit and watch a movie? But then you have to you don't you haven't already mentally set aside the time to watch the movie until you actually decide to sit down on the couch whereas before as soon as you went to the video store then you were kind of committed you were going to be watching those movies because you'd rented yeah, them yeah that's the movie you're um, watching so it's a very yeah so it's a very different take than a, than um the way we watch movies nowadays of course you, you mentioned there that that dv you by that time you were looking at dvds it was dv it was the rise of dvd that started to really bite erode. into blockbuster yeah. because, because
0: what happened was it's a lot cheaper to send a flat disc in the mail than a yeah. vcr tape and particularly without a box rise. if it's in a cardboard sleeve exactly yeah that was the rise of netflix a lot of people nowadays like my kids have no idea that netflix didn't get their start in streaming uh, hell we were doing the my mac podcast when netflix was still oh. doing you know Sending a, a, a disc in the mail. Yeah. Um, their whole thing was you jump on the website, you pick a couple DVDs, return it whenever you want. There's no late fee. You would get those DVDs, but you couldn't get another one until you returned the other, right? That's, well, that so was the key thing. So you get the DVD, yeah. yes. But there was a list. There was a curated list that they would say, hey, if you like this movie, you might like this movie too. And that was something new that you couldn't really do in a physical location like blockbuster and even though the founder's background was databases and stuff like that that didn't translate to the physical stores how do you how do you say hey if you like this movie i'm going to line up these 10 movies below it that you might also like doesn't really work that way
1: i seem to remember the the blockbusters. One of their defenses when that started with Netflix was, "Oh well, you know, if you go and talk to a human in the store, you'll get well, there far was better that. opinions." Yeah, but the problem is, most of the, <laughs> you just you said it before. Most of the most of the people who worked in Blockbuster were minimum wage teenagers, and they yes. didn't care. Very didn't few, care. With, very few. It wasn't like it wasn't like clerks or uh, what was that one where they. um uh, where they sweded. Yeah, but the, the, no, there was another one where they recreated the movies for, people, for the movies they didn't have. Oh, yeah. Uh, please yeah, be you know kind of mind. I mean, yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. It, so they were depicted sad, as, I know you know... That. Yeah, <laughs> it was a good movie. That was funny. But the thing is, is that it was depicted that you kind of real hardcore movie geeks worked yes. in video stores, and they didn't. It was anybody who wanted well, a job. And there they an kind of did at the of, beginning.
0: Yeah. They kind of did at the beginning. Um, I had a friend who worked at Blockbuster, and he had come from another video store, one that I frequented until they closed. Called, uh, I think it was called Total Video. Uh, I still remember where it was and everything. It's a gla- It's an automotive glass company now. Same building too. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing with Total Video was, I had a friend there, and he watched everything, everything. Yeah. So when I walked in there and he was working he would have recommendations for me and he was almost always right. This is not good. This is good. If you like this, you'll like that. Um, Hey, the guy who directed this directed this. You should check it out. That's how I found Clerks, for instance, which led me to Chasing Amy and Mall Rats and stuff like that. Tarantino, that's how I found Tarantino. Um, But he he did watch these movies and I did trust his opinion. Same thing with record stores back in the day. You'd go into a record store and if they knew you and they knew your tastes, and it was, uh, you know, an established staff. They knew what to point out to you, and there, yeah. there was something of, if not community, then that human interaction. That hey, I know you. But to be fair to Netflix, um, their recommendation system was extremely good. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they. I don't know where they pulled all of this together. I mean, I assume that it was. People that were renting this were also renting that. And I'm sure it looked at directors and actors and genres and all that and kind of made yep. a curated list for each person. But more often than not, it was a pretty good list. You know, I yeah. don't remember going to Blockbuster or sorry, uh, Netflix and going, eh, I can't find anything to, to rent this time. No, that never happened. Yeah. You always had something. And, and that and, and, the DVD, yeah. you're right, did erode what was Blockbuster's core business.
1: Yeah, and also as well, but you know, by the time of their peak, 2004, they had over 9,000 stores. You can't have that guy who's the big movie buff in 9,000 stores. Yeah, no, it's, it's you just be, doesn't, you're becoming commodity. It's not happen. Yeah. yeah, and and,
0: and, and they were all, they were a commodity.
1: Yeah, and this is always a difficulty when you become commodity is, is how do you maintain your competitive edge against particularly somebody who's got a different business model which is what happened with Netflix Um, and yeah, it's amazing how quickly it went down after 2004 Um, there was a time where I
0: there was a time where I was single and I didn't want to date I'd had a bad relationship and I was actually enjoying just me that didn't last long but yeah, uh, Blockbuster was there and their rates were better but I would go to Total Video, not because at this point my friend had moved uh, to the, another company. It might have been Blockbuster by then, but Total Video I could get four movies for ten bucks, and there was no late fee. And when you were, you know, twenty-one, twenty-two, living by yourself, uh, didn't have cable because that that was expensive. Um, but had a nice VCR and not a yeah. lot of money, ten bucks. Yeah. I would watch each movie usually twice because that was an entire week's worth of entertainment. You know, I sustained myself on, you know, Little Caesar's pizza and their garlic bread sticks. And, uh, you know, it it was a horrible existence when you look back on it, but I loved it at the time. You know, I got to watch any movie I wanted. There was no return fee. They had a decent enough selection. I wasn't always into the latest and greatest movies. I wanted to explore older stuff. I mean, I remember getting into a whole John Wayne kick at one point, watching all his movies, and they were always there. Nobody was renting those. (laughs) So, you know, when I think of the, the video rental business, I think less of Blockbuster, and I think more of the smaller companies. When the very first video rental company came into existence where I lived, or the the first one that i knew about it was a guy's house he lived he lived upstairs and his entire um kitchen living room and dining room had been converted to nothing but shelves of vcr tapes um i he must have spent thousands and thousands of dollars on these things and uh, a friend of mine named charlie Danick, who blocked me on facebook recently because he's a far right wing nut job and i called him out on it um Mm -hmm. he he and i rode our bikes yeah i i don't know the name of the business because it was right around the street from where he lived and charlie's family had a, a vcr my family didn't yet and we went in there and i remember the first movie we rented was rambo part two i think and it seemed magical that we can go somewhere because it's really easy for people nowadays to just, you know, you've got your own video collection. Maybe you bought some stuff on digital. You can watch anything you want anytime you want with all the streaming services. This was a time when there was 13 channels on cable. If yep. you're lucky. And if you are my age, it was always on either like HBO. If your family had money, um, maybe sneaking, watching Cinemax real late at night when your parents are asleep. Yeah. Um, or it was on MTV. That's okay. what that's what you had. And then all of a sudden, here's this this guy's house, really, with handwritten membership cards and pencil um, that you can go in, and I think it was maybe two bucks a movie, if that. Maybe a yeah. buck. I, I don't even remember what it was. And I could pick any movie... I wanted to watch. And I could watch it a bunch of times in a row if I wanted. Uh, when we first got a VCR in my parents' house, I went and bought Star Wars. Mm-hmm. We take for granted now that it was at the movie theaters three months ago, and it's going to be on streaming three months later, right? Yeah. Um, we take that for granted that now that there's a constant long tail if you will that you always have something to watch and you have massive amounts of choices because not, a lot of the content that, yeah. is being made for the online
1: streaming services exactly yeah but but back the, then it it that just didn't exist david no no there was i mean direct to video did become a thing but they they were always very low quality low budget
0: and it um, was expensive it was like yeah. 10 bucks to to get one of those movies yeah,
1: and there was and, no
0: pause. You'd watched no. it,
1: and that was it. And the the other thing as well is that uh, people forget. I mean, you you see these arguments on nowadays where people go, "Oh, if it's not 4K, I'm not going to watch it. I can't, you know, I can't stand to see low quality standard uh, format content." It's just like, dude, have you ever watched VHS? Well, remember if-
0: when the the whole um, pan and scan and widescreen debate was there? That's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so, because, Panas, but yeah, because the because the vid, the format of the of the movies wasn't four three, which is what you had on TV. It correct. was it was sixteen nine. So you the choice of the uh, the guy making the video was to either. Squeeze it down into a letterbox in the middle of the screen so it's shown in the original ratio, but it's smaller. Or alternatively, Paniscan, which was the world's worst idea, which was well, but that's two. what
0: that's what all the original VCR tapes were. I it know. wasn't until a few years later, at the earliest, that they offered a letterbox, yeah, when so this Panis- became such yeah. a huge industry
1: because Paniscan was basically you point the um. The four three box that you're going to show on TV in the middle of the frame, and then if something's happening that you think the viewer needs to know about on the on the edges of the frame that's been cut off, you basically you move that frame over to the side so you can see it, and then move yes. it back again. <laughs>
0: right. There there and were so, videos that I remember you would see the nose of people talking.
1: That's and right. You're yeah. basically
0: looking at nothing but except just the very tips of their faces, and and, you're and like, obviously oh, this yeah. is awful.
1: And there's no, op- yeah, no, it was still magical. Yeah, it was still This was, was done magical by still, David.
0: Yeah. <laughs> you know, let's, we can pan it now, but at the time, the ability to go to a store, get a movie, come home and watch said movie was, it was magical. And the yeah. movie industries and the television industries had a conniption fit initially. They did not, they yeah. were not behind this technology. Um, you know, television, sued the VCR makers, That's Sony, right. for instance, because they didn't want you to have the ability to record what was on broadcast television. They and lost that agreement, yeah. that lawsuit.
1: Now, in the U.S., did they try and um, get Congress to introduce the videotape surcharge? Because I know they tried yeah, that they, here.
0: Yeah, they tried here as well. It was called something different, but and that failed as well. Yeah, um,
1: which was basically the movie company saying, we want a piece of every blank tape sold to exactly because we actually, know, I think, we kn- no,
0: you know what, that actually did pass here. Sorry, that yeah. did pass, yep. And mm-hmm. and it, but the precedent was set with cassette tapes, not yeah. with VCR tapes. That's where the precedent right. was set,
1: yeah. But I remember them trying with VCR as well because they were basically they saying the same thing. They were saying, You're gonna, they, their attitude was, You're gonna steal our TV content off the TV. And we need to be compensated for that. Well, they were you know? right.
0: That's exactly what we were going to do. Well, they weren't yeah, stupid the, about it.
1: But the problem is, is that is that mo- what they failed to realise is most people, certainly for TV, most people recording TV, because uh, there were people bootlegging videos, and bootleg videos became a bigger thing, particularly later on. But early in the day, it wasn't that people recording TV. And If you're recording TV, you're just time shifting it. You're not. Um, you're not. Um, distributing it to other people and that's well, what they most failed to realize weren't.
0: but that did happen as well I mean yeah. I remember um street hawkers at the time selling hey you want the entire you know whatever season of mash ten bucks you know mm. I, I do remember some people did stuff like that but that was <laughs> that, that was yeah. that was ridiculous funnily um, enough
1: I remember going to Singapore um, in the year 2000, for work. Now, at the time, there were places in Singapore you could go in, and there were just these big shopping malls full of these little stalls, and they would they would sell you a knockoff anything. Yeah, I bought a knockoff Rolex there, uh, a knockoff um, uh, Breitling watch that, that I still have somewhere. Yeah, and it was yeah. I tell you what, it was pretty good. You wouldn't know it was a fake one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and yet. In, and Singapore, they have some pretty harsh laws. So if you ever asked any of these guys, have you got any bootleg DVDs? They all like kind of, they got all furtive, looked for size I went, no, no, no. And it turns out because there was a re- it was like 10 years in prison in Singapore if you got found selling bootleg DVDs because the movie industry had basically really lobbied hard to the government there. And so, you know, everyone... Uh, you know, turned a blind eye to knock off watches and bags and that sort of thing. But if it was a DVD, then they threw you in the slammer, uh, and it was like the end yeah. of your career. <laughs> it was it was no joke. Yeah.
0: So so David and I are uh, definitely going to here on TechFan getting back into our wiki trolling. This week, of course, was blockbuster, and in two weeks, uh, we'll probably talk about Epson. Uh, but we'd love to get your feedback. If you've got an idea on, hey, you guys should do this on wiki trolling let us know we're uh, you know we're obviously uh, interested in your opinion. Simply send an email to the show at techfampodcast.com. You can always go to mymac.com or techfanpodcast.com and leave a uh, message in the sh- you know the show notes. Uh, hit us up on Twitter too uh, or on Facebook. With that we're going to be back in one week on our sister show, Geeks pub, the Geeks pub. And we're going to be talking about WandaVision and, uh, you know, that's going to be wrapping up a couple days before we do the show. But uh, make sure you check that out on the, uh, the Geeks Pub podcast and we'll see you guys in a week.